you know the simpsons it's like become a meme now the simpsons it's like <laughs> old man yells at cloud i feel like this is <laughs> <laughs> francis maybe you just i don't know if you need more sleep more coffee McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. Before we get started, just a reminder to everyone to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Lapsed Podcast. We love hearing from you. Oh, yes. Steph, what are we talking about today? We're talking about lapsing. Uh, <laughs> getting and, more and more meta. The last oh last episode was a book called Lapsed. Now we're getting extra lapsy today. Well, actually, first of all, I just want to say how much I loved your interview. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the last time we spoke, you had not heard it yet. No, she's great. Monica's lovely. I was interested in reading the book and I'd started it, but now I'm like so excited not just to read it myself, but to like tell other people about it because- she really got my brain going and was really provocative in a lot of cool ways. And I think this is a great follow-up episode um, because there were some issues she brought up that I feel like we haven't addressed head on. So we're going to delve into that a little bit today. I'm so excited. But before we do that, what's happening in the news? Oh, man. So we have to talk about the big thing. We do. (laughs) You listeners, you need to know that Stephanie and I both, if something big happens in the news having to do with Catholicism, I don't know about you, Steph, but I, the first thing I think is I need to text Steph. And the second thing I think is, no, you may not, because we need to do this on air. I'm exactly right. I'm like, I can't talk about this with anybody. (laughs) But this one. Uh, it got a lot of coverage it got a lot of coverage and a lot of people tried to talk to me about this one i bet yeah so i assume what we're it would be hilarious if we're talking about different things i assume assume what we're talking about is our buddy francis or our not so buddy francis as is often the case uh saying that people without children I, I'm having trouble even getting people who people. choose to have pets instead of children. Yes. I sort of started it, man, it sort of started. It was like people who choose not to have children are selfish. Oh yeah. Especially these people who have pets instead of children. What's with them? I, I keep getting the image in my head. You know, the Simpsons, it's like become a, a meme now. The Simpsons, it's like <laughs> old man yells at cloud. I feel like this is what- <laughs> Francis, maybe you just, I don't know if you need more sleep, more coffee. I mean, it's one of those moments. I had an ex-boyfriend who I'm still friends with and I, I care about him deeply, but he was one of those people that was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> and I'm just like, why would you bring that up right? Like why? That was, unne- it was unnecessary sure. to say. Sure. Like, let's say he believes this. Fine. Why? Why? Why, Why? Like, there's so much going on. Why even start this conversation? I mean, and there's so much to unpack with this statement, too. There's a lot there. There's a lot of things this brings up. I don't know. Do you <laughs> – where to begin? I There's choice and lack – like, other people not being able to have children. And Yes. And, like, uh, the cost of ch- – like, and, yes. and celibate men talking about – 
bringing up families all of this so so what he said so okay he says what here's the quote so today we seem a form of selfishness we see that some people do not want to have a child sometimes they have one and then that's it but then they have dogs and cats and that takes the place of children this may make people laugh but it is a reality and then he goes on to say this practice is quote a denial of fatherhood and motherhood and diminishes us takes away our humanity all right Yes. So I made a bullet pointed list. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. I love a bullet pointed list. First up, uh, this is all things you just said. It takes away our humanity to not have children. You literally chose a lifestyle in which you will never have children. That's like the point of celibacy, which honestly, I have lots of feelings about the, the celibacy requirement. But I will say, I think the one positive actually with like religious and and clergy not having a family, whether that's something that is required of them, or there are certainly clergy in other faiths who choose not to have a family, Yeah, is that you have all your time to dedicate to your parishioners and to the world and to service, right? Like, Right. Unselfishness. I love my kids. And it's cert- I, yes, it, it, I have moments of feeling quite selfless <laughs> when I'm like, you know, cleaning up the seventh spill and then I have to go change a diaper and my kid is talking about dinosaurs nonstop but Mm -hmm. it also takes up all my time and I can't go like to a board meeting that seems important or to uh feed the homeless you know there are just there are ways in which it actually becomes very selfish of me and I need to think about my when I think about my financial situation I need to think about my kids versus just being able to give away money and just think about myself or not have to think about money right right so there's that uh I don't even think he has a pet, so maybe he just, like, doesn't understand pets. That was actually part of, like, I think the New York Times article about it was, like, at least Benedict had a pet. Right? <laughs> even doesn't. Benedict, which, like, and then come like, on. saying he's St. Francis of Assisi. Like, that's the animal. Right. The same. whole thing about the animals. And shouldn't we be encouraging people to, like, also adopt animals? Like, don't we care about animals at all? Right. St. Francis. Also, we don't really want people who don't want to be parents to have kids. Like, you want to talk about trauma? Right. Well, like, personal story. Like, I I know someone who just isn't mentally in a health, like, healthy enough to be able to have a child. But she loves the comfort of her dog. And, like, that is the healthy choice for all three parties. Like, it's... It would be so much more harmful to have a child. Yeah, I've got several children and several dogs in my house. You can also do all those things at the same time. It works great. It's a little crazy, but... Oh, my gosh. Okay, then also lots of people would like children and can't have them because it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. First of all, fertility issues. Second of all, which I've been struggling with. And Mm -hmm. also, like... I've explored adoption and it's expensive. Like if you're in a same sex couple or, or you're a, you are a single person who wants a child. It's really hard to go that way. It's very hard. It's very expensive. It's yeah. I mean, I know you know better than I do stuff. Like you are, you've talked about kind of being in the process of becoming a foster parent. And this is not just like, I'm going to go pick up a kid. (laughs) It's, 
a crazy and like the children who are in the system are severely traumatized for the most part so like are you capable of actually taking that on and being a healthy role model for this child like there's a lot going on here right and we want to talk about childhood trauma and then like let's look at back at the church and the the sexual abuse also boarding schools for indigenous children like you want to talk about trauma and children and who's selfish Oh, so he also mentioned this is here. This is Francis with this with this poetic whatever. I know a demographic winter. He's basically <laughs> saying that people there's a population problem. There is not yeah. a population problem. You know what there is? There are fewer white people in the world, yeah. which apparently, according to the Pope, is, is a problem. I thought Catholicism was a global church. I mean, birth rates in much of Africa and Asia are as high as they've ever been. Do we not have, is that not Catholicism? It just also reeks of racism on top of everything else. Oh, God. Also, like, have you looked, I mean, I understand, again, it's a global church. We're not just looking at the U.S., but, like, there's a reason people our age are having fewer children or having children later is because it is very expensive because wages have been stagnant for a very long time, and it is not as affordable as it was when our parents were having kids exactly but let's just shake our fist at the sky and rant and rave about families even though how about we like start talking about yeah uh free access to daycare and health care before we start making people have their children yes it is back to that thing of like literally you have never had to think about the logistics of having a family and yeah. you're just here to rant and rave i don't know pope maybe get a dog maybe you need a dog maybe. and maybe that'll Maybe it'll cheer you up. Something. I and I don't like this was out of nowhere, right? This is it just really a, what, this is why I'm saying he's just like this just is like cranky old man. He just happens to be the Pope. You know? This is the kind of thing that like grandpa says at the breakfast table and you're just like, All right, yeah, it's grandpa. He needs But you're he, the Pope. <laughs> he needs a little more sleep. But yeah, <laughs> you're the Pope. So everyone writes about it in the whole world. I know, like I feel like it's always one step forward, fifteen steps backward with this guy. And I'm so excited for the steps forward. <laughs> like, yay, a step. And then I was like, oh no, why? It was interesting seeing this. I mean, I saw it and was like, oh man, we're going to have to talk about this in some mm-hmm. like former Catholic group or something. Then a listener actually immediately messaged us on our really? social to tell us about it. Good. And in addition to that, all my parenting groups blew up. So it's it is oh. rare that Catholicism kind of leaks into, you know, just like the mom Facebook groups and your whole the, Venn diagram. Yeah, it all everyone was freaking out. Even the non Catholics got in a tizzy about this, as as a, is understandable. Right. Like I saw nutty. it on my social media feed and I figured, well, my algorithm skewed because I'm always looking up Catholic things. No. But then it was everywhere. Everyone's like, talking oh. about it. Well, and you know, I think Women in particular are really sensitive to this because women are the ones who culture in general is telling us you're selfish if you're not a, a parent. Not men so much, but women get this all the time. Oh, yeah. So to hear like a major religious leader talk about this on top of what women are already hearing all the time, childless by choice or not by choice, uh, women are hearing all the time. Well, thanks, Frances. Gave us something to talk about. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> that's all I have. I just figured that would be quite a rant. So there, I think that's pretty much what we need to cover for Catholicism <laughs> in the news today. Let's hope we have space enough for other stuff next week. Let's see what other 
hot nonsense pours in. There's always something. <laughs> There's always something. This is going to lead perfectly into this next thing I want to tell you. Great. So I really wanted to talk about this even before uh, your interview, um, which was about being lapsed. I wanted to discuss mm-hmm. this because I have something I need to tell you. <gasps> I know. So uh, we were just talking about sort of my personal journey, but mm-hmm. I am pregnant. Ah, Steph! <laughs> Congratulations! I couldn't wait to tell you. Again, I was like, I have to tell you on the podcast. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting. Oh my, this is like the biggest thing that's ever happened on our podcast. <laughs> Breaking news. It really is. I'm in my second trimester. So Yay. yeah. What do you do? Do you want to say that? I can Ju- get that out In mid-July. Yay. Oh, having a summer birthday. I have a summer birthday. It's the best. Me too. I'm a July baby myself. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe you guys will have the same birthday. That'd be weird. I love it. It happens. And uh, so it was something we did not think we were going to be able to have, which is why Mm -hmm. we were pursuing foster care, which we're still going to pursue in a a different way, more Mm -hmm. like in a mentorship role for the time being. But we've become too invested in that to just abandon it. But, you know, we are... pregnant and by the grace of science we are pregnant and we were hoping we'd make it through this first trimester and we did and it was marvelous and at some point my husband turned to me and he was like oh my goodness are you going to become religious now (laughs) it's happening like we should talk about this yeah because both of our sisters went back to religion after they had children Mm mm-hmm and it's happened to so many people I know that once they have people have a child who've been lapsed, have returned to awful, if not Catholicism. Yeah. And so I was like starting to think about it. And I was like, oh, I really, I want to, I want to start researching this. Like, why does it happen? What are the statistics? What's going on? Yes. But I also want to like delve into like why we lapsed in the first place. Like what brought us to this point um, and sort of look back to look forward, I guess. My big question for you that I was thinking about is like, when did you realize you were lapsed or leaving the Catholic church? (laughs) I'm lapsing. It's happening. And And like, what did you know it was happening at the time? Because for both of us, I believe it happened before we turned 18. So a couple things. One, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> and also, I really love that, um, <laughs> you know, I came into this episode like, I don't totally understand what we're talking about. I'm just going to trust stuff. But like, I feel like the pregnancy was the thing that makes it all make sense. Like, oh, hey, this, yeah. is, this is what we're. I was trying to pitch this idea to Anne and she's like, okay, but it's like, just go with it. I need to do this. <laughs> well, it's actually, Steph, the last time we saw each other in person, if I'm remembering correctly, you were about to leave town. You were about to leave Chicago and you were like, let's, we should go out for drinks like before I leave. And we did. And I was secretly pregnant. Oh, I was not yeah. telling anyone. It was very early. And I almost told, cause I didn't get a drink. I got like a, you know, Sprite or something. Right. And I almost told you. And then I was like, I'm not telling anyone. It'd be weird to just like settle someone <laughs> with this information. I'm not going to tell her. Although you did recommend a hair stylist at that time and I randomly told the hairstylist I was pregnant and then I was like what if she tells stuff it was a whole thing but uh so she's too good she's she'll always keep her secrets she's amazing that's what hairstylists do they keep secrets yeah kind of like you know listen hairstylists I feel like (laughs) now that I think about it my grandma had like 
confession and also her hairstylist taffy yes and those were her two her two confidants i really do believe that it's like a bartender in a way (laughs) it's all you know these people that we bear our souls to right who needs a confessional when you're going to get your hair done (laughs) okay so we're talking about lapsing so when did you know you were lapsing so i think i knew um I talked about being confirmed and being like, I'm not sure about right. this thing, even at that point. Uh, once I got to high school, it's interesting because I think I was thinking a lot about it. I actually don't think I was talking to many people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my other friends were Catholic, like from Catholic families, but it's not like it's cool to be very devout at that age, you know? Right. It's kind of just a thing that you're still doing. Like you're, everything that your parents do is kind of uncool. At that age, right? Like that you're just like, oh, whatever. So church just becomes one of those things. Like, yeah, I go to church because my mom wants me to. And But I was like on brand with sort of like why I started this podcast. I was always very interested in religion and in spirituality. Mm-hmm. The library was kind of an escape for me. It was walkable, but kind of far. It was a hall from my house, but I could go by myself. Um, I think about it now. I'm like, man, we didn't even have – it's not like I could listen to a podcast. I had like maybe a disc man. Like we just (laughs) – we had nothing to do, Steph. We were walking. We were just – Had to listen to the world. So think about stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember going to the library by myself. That was sort of my escape and reading books about different religions. Like I actually – I remember this one book in the – young adult section that had just like short little excerpts from teens from different religious backgrounds and I remember thinking like Quakerism sounded really cool and I had never heard of Quakerism other than like the Quaker Oats I think is what we all think yeah. of. <laughs> um, but being like oh inter- like being really interested in these different things and um, mm-hmm. yeah taking out books about different religions or about meditation it was very sort of surface level at that point because I think I just like I really all of this was sort of so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. I was very interested in spirituality and religion, and I just wasn't finding that at church, I think, mm. the things I was looking for. And I think I knew, like, the anti-gay marriage stuff. It wasn't legal yet, but, like, I knew that I didn't agree with that. I wasn't thinking super critically about a lot of the other parts. I was kind of, like, think that was one of the major ones, and that it just didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. In high school, when our theology class had like a more a focus on social justice, I think that actually did interest me. Right. Like learning some Catholic social justice teaching, I think was interesting to me. But outside of that, it just didn't really grab me. And I was looking for something that did. Um, I got into these books that I am sure if I looked back at them right now, I probably found them super problematic. They were basically <laughs> just very new agey. They're, they're called Conversations with God. Have you heard I of don't those? know them a whole series and it, they had retreats and all, I and this was early in the internet so I sort of found some stuff on the internet too mm-hmm. or like other teens who were in like chat rooms in I don't chat, even remember yeah it was all very new agey stuff the and the premise was that this guy was actually having a conversation with God like he was like oh would write God's response it was the idea I some of it I think I still does resonate with me but like that kind of everything is made of God and we're like here having a human experience, but we're like all kind of divine was like the essence of it, which like, Mm -hmm. which was brand new to me and was very interesting to me. At one point I did tell my mom, it felt like a thing I needed to tell her. And I think around the time I was 15, I said like, I don't believe in Catholicism. And she got very upset with me. I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. Which, which felt predictable at that time. Now, 
the irony is that like my dad had not been a practicing Catholic and it's not just until I was an adult and kind of recently that I realized like, oh, if my dad had been alive at that time, probably that conversation would have gone very differently. Yeah. If I had a parent who was like, yeah, I'm not in, I don't believe it either. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think that maybe there would have been more space for those conversations. I remember talking to a guidance counselor at school about it because it was like a difficult time. I mean, I was trying to figure, you know, it's this thing of trying to differentiate yourself. And, right. and she was very supportive. I also had some theology teachers who were just sort of more supportive of like us figuring out our own journey kind of a thing. But I remember her saying at one point, like, you know, maybe you'll grow up and decide to come back to the church, maybe not. And I just remember thinking like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely gone. But I think that's also probably realistic that a lot of people kind of I think leave it, the well, Yeah, a lot of people do. At that age and then maybe come back when they're mm-hmm. adults. I, I don't want to take up too much time with this. But I feel like in college, I sort of dabbled in, I would say, again, on a surface level in like, reading a book on Buddhism, going like once, like going to a meditation event, but like, it was just very one-off. I did study abroad in India where I feel like I was more uh, exposed to some Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Mm -hmm. uh, even like Sufism in Islam, which is really interesting. And uh, yeah, it was in grad school where I weirdly ended up back at a church, at a Presbyterian church uh, that a friend said, they'd met this minister who was really into social justice. I will be honest. I thought we were going to a black church because <laughs> yeah. the only kind of church I'd ever heard of that took on any kind of social justice issues were black churches. Like that's what oh, I thought of. Yeah. So I got to the church. It was mostly white people and the pastor was white and I was like confused. Uh, <laughs> but it was a, it, it was a church where the pastor was really focused on social justice issues Mm -hmm. didn't present Christianity as like the only way, but as like a way of thinking about the world and of understanding the world. Right. And then once we decided, once we were going to have a kid, I think I wanted something like that. I wanted a place where I felt like it was going to be a community. I mean, and we live in a place where there are a lot of churches that sort of are more progressive that take on Mm -hmm. a lot of social justice issues and are allowed about that. We wanted to meet other families. You know, when you have a baby, you're not in school. It's like a school yet. It's like you kind of want to meet other people. Mm -hmm. And then we found a church. And I'm really, I think I'm there now. It's not about belief, but I think it's more of like a question of like, can Christianity kind of provide some of these things I was looking for? Mm -hmm. Uh, To be honest, I think some of it is like not wanting to culturally appropriate. (laughs) Can I just go back to something adjacent to the religion I grew up with rather than like, trying to you know rather than going to something like buddhism although i think there are totally like ethical ways you can think to to go about becoming a buddhist um like as a westerner but yeah i think it's like a question like can christianity provide some of the things that i'm looking for i think the church community that i'm in now which is a methodist church i'm there more for like the people and the vibe than the quote-unquote beliefs Mm -hmm. but actually when you so when you added this piece about like when you have your own kids Mm -hmm. for me it's kind of it's the opposite of what I was imagining I thought I would want this church community because I want my kid to like I liked they talked about social justice issues and they talked about kind of God being love but now my older kid in particular is pretty vocal about not believing in those things. Right. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I don't want to force that on him. Mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of become the opposite. And I've realized if the pandemic loosens up and I decided to go back to church, I'd probably go without him. Uh, if my husband, my husband's not big on church. <laughs> yeah. So now it's actually is the opposite where I'm like, well, I hadn't considered this, but it really feels weird to try to push a certain way of believing on my kid. Yeah. I didn't expect that. It wasn't something I thought about until my kid got old enough to kind of start talking about what he believes. And I realized I need to give him that freedom instead of, oh, I think this is community's really nice. So I want you to be a part Just of it. Keep so. making them go. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a long arc. Yeah. I want to hear about your lapsing, Steph. Well, I find it so fascinating that you like knew at what was it said 15 or so that you had to like tell your mom yeah. that you're like done. Cuz I don't think I've ever had that conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of people haven't. Yeah, it just sort of happened or like the Catholicism of my childhood. It felt more I guess, cultural than religious. Mm-hmm. Like, it was stuff you did. Like, you light yeah. a candle. If you lose something, you talk to this man named St. Anthony and he brings you your keys. <laughs> like, if someone had told me that was what Slovaks do or just stuff my family does, I would have had the same amount of, I don't know, reverence for it than religion. It didn't feel like, yeah. I guess, religion to me for the most part. It's probably because of the way... Eastern Europeans, like (laughs) my family, I guess, maybe deals with Catholicism. I think that's a way a lot of people, I think Catholicism, we've talked about this, right? Like the Catholicism is a culture and it's often connected to, to ethnicity. Yeah. I think that all makes sense. And so I think if I had only ever gone to church and not gone to CCD or Catholic school, I might still be Catholic. Mm. (laughs) Like, I mean, because let's be honest, I was half listening to the homilies anyway. Like I was, you do the thing, I zoned out. I was like, I don't know, what'd you say? I don't know. And it's over. And right. Especially when I was a kid. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're just like chilling out and looking around at people. Yeah, like those stations of the cross look scary. But you're you're like, yeah, hanging out. And then I, when I started getting like teachers teaching me about what it meant to be Catholic, Mm -hmm. it from a young age instilled this like something bad in me. Like Mm. it was like anxiety about heaven or getting in and getting, not getting in and sinning. And if I was good and not good. And that, that was like when I was younger. And then as I got to Catholic school and we had to still like have theology class like every day and people who were poorly equipped to probably be teaching theology we're teaching it mm-hmm. and the full like realization of the disconnect between what we say we believe and how we go about like being kind to people and not mm-hmm. being kind to people just like shattered something in me it like I have to say like I I've used this phrase like when I'm writing about it in my journal but I, I feel like the Catholic Church kind of broke my heart a little bit like I really I mean, I got confirmed fully think I don't really think I thought it was a choice. Like you I don't think you could leave. I was like, I'm I was born Stephanie Shavera, a Catholic who's half Slovak, and that is who I will be for the ever. Like I didn't think there was choices. I mean, to be fair, the Catholic Church also feels that way. You were Catholic for the rest <laughs> of your d- life. So you didn't come up with Dang that it, Catholic Church. out of nowhere. <laughs> I love that you talked about it. I was like, you can't leave this dang thing. But so 
yeah, so like I'm here I am. I'm like in this weird place where I'm like mad because I was like, I kept thinking for a long time if I fought enough in my theology class, if I fought with my teachers enough, I could change something. If I'm like standing up for gay rights or like I'm like, you know, dogs could go to heaven or whatever it was. <laughs> like if I fought with someone enough that I wanted it to be better mm-hmm. and it just, it wasn't ever going to be. <laughs> if it would have changed, like I think that's why I keep having hope for Francis because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you said the one, you said the, that, like that's what I was trying to get at. And then you do stupid things like talk about people being selfish for not having children. And then I'm like, okay, I can't, I just can't keep this up. It felt like a toxic relationship at some point. Ooh. But then I feel like I kind of unlapsed a little bit when I went for to college hmm. because like we moved a lot while I was growing up, but I always had my like parents and siblings, even though like everyone else in my life was transient, like nothing else stayed. But when I went to college, it was my first time like not being with them either. Yeah. And that was really hard. And so I found myself going to church. Mm. I went to NYU and NYU had like a Catholic church. It was like right on Washington Square Park. And I think they demolished it because NYU was like a real estate monster. They needed it for something else. I don't know. It makes me mad. But I would go there. I remember like going there for Easter and like trying to make an Easter dinner for like my gay theater friends and I don't think anyone like most of them were Jewish <laughs> it's like we're doing Easter yes I relate to that Easter is a thing you don't realize how few people do Easter until you're away from well like because you get winter break off so you go home for Christmas yeah but it don't like spring break didn't align with Easter or we didn't have enough time or whatever and so all of a sudden I was like wait this it was my first Easter without family and I was like I have to to do something I gotta hard boil some eggs and color them and I have to do all the things I can't even remember the last time I was with my family for Easter Mm. Easter was like the thing that sort of made me keep going to church because I was like well I still have to go for the two big ones at least right for Christmas and Easter so really I was like okay I stopped liking the Catholic church in high school and probably said goodbye to it in my head. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I fully like let go of it until my grandma died. How old were you then? (laughs) This was uh, 2017. Yeah. I thought it was pretty recently, but I wasn't sure. 36. Yeah. I still thought like go to church. It's not going to hurt anybody if you go to Mm -hmm. church when she wants you to and do the thing. And so I think I still considered myself, regardless of my choice, like I was born a Catholic, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I will always be a Catholic. So I kind of just was like in my back, it's like my back pocket card, like just in case. (laughs) And then she died. And I think that was, it was just like, oh, there was some string that just disappeared. Mm, Yeah. Like some little tether. And I was like, oh, I don't, that's gone now. Her belief was strong enough or something. Mm Mm-hmm. That had a going. So I was like, yeah, okay. Like I can say goodbye, Catholic Church, a little bit more. And then I listened to your interview with Monica and then I was like, oh my gosh, I've been so passive about this lapsing. Do I have a responsibility to start like speaking up about the abuses in the church? Like, I don't know. I mean, we do have a podcast. Stuff. We're speaking out about some stuff. We are. That's right. It's not just talking with you. Sometimes it feels like I'm just talking with you. People hear this. Yeah. Not a ton, but a couple hundred at least. Right. Hey, 
you're listening. And so we are speaking up about it. And I thought, like, I dabbled, like, I read some religious books like you did, but I think I've had more struggles with my faith in a lot Mm. of things too. So I was like, I don't really necessarily need a religion. I went to one evangelical service and I was like, no. Yeah, it wouldn't be. No, no. It wouldn't be it. I can't. There was so it was too joyful. <laughs> we need some somberness. There's a lot of like raising of hands and putting your hands up and praying on people. And I was like, mm. we don't do that. We don't get that. It makes me really uncomfortable. And it was really Jesus heavy. Yeah, right. And I was like, mm, we Jesus is lording over us at church. Like, don't like he's there. Don't get me like, wrong. He's there. Crucified. He's there. But like, but we don't really talk about him that much. So it's just like the Jesusness of the evangelicals. And I've never really, I think I went to a couple Episcopal services because it was like Catholic light. Sure. I was like, oh, I could, I could get behind Episcopalian. There was a female minister. Yeah. I like, yeah. 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 If I were ever to go back, I think that would be the way. But I don't know mm-hmm. that I even really need it. I'm still like, I think it's been important for me or I, a worry for me that not having religion leaves me with nothing. Mm-hmm. And that like, it is important to me as a person that to have a sense of wonder about the world or to believe in mystery, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And being raised Catholic, it's just a, well, that's God. And I basically the whole Catholic church, cause you're not supposed to question anything. You're just supposed to do it. So without all that, I'm like, okay, well, I've got to like work really hard to like cultivate this. Cultivate wonder. Yeah. I recently listened to, we're not at all affiliated with this other podcast. I'm just going to plug them for no reason. There's a podcast called Unholier Than Thou, which I think was one that got me thinking about this podcast, honestly. Uh, It's hosted by Philip Picardi, who is a journalist. I believe he's the former editor of Teen Vogue. Oh, but he has a podcast that he started. He kind of made a shift and started a podcast about religion or interviewing people about current events, but often in the context of of different kind of religious views. Mm -hmm. Really love the podcast. Highly recommend it to lots of people. But he was raised Catholic and he has mentioned that briefly. I would listen, Philip, if you're listening, uh, please come on our show. It's please. We love it. Uh, He had talked about being raised Catholic several times and I just found myself, one of the things I think that brought me to thinking about this podcast, imagining this podcast, is that I found myself wishing I could ask him a question. Like he would, well, when I was raised Catholic, you know, such and such. And then he'd go back to his guest. And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. Tell me more about that. I want to hear everything. Yeah. And he is a gay man and, you know, was raised in the Catholic Church and the ways I can only imagine were just deeply harmful. It seems like he wasn't sure how he felt about religion. We kind of started this podcast about religion and he ended up recently because i follow him on social media and he talks about on the podcast going to get his master's of divinity at harvard and ultimately what philip said in one of his episodes recently is that he recognizes faith as a choice and it's something he's choosing oh and i'm you know i'm gonna maybe misquote him but basically that he he's not trying to convince other people this is the way to view the world is through uh, any kind of lens of faith or believing in anything outside of you know, atheism, like he's not here Mm -hmm. for that. He's choosing that because he feels like it makes his life better. It makes his existence feel better in the world to believe there's something greater, whatever that greater thing is. Right. And I, I loved that candor, frankly, Mm -hmm. that it's okay because we have this voice, I think of like, well, what if, 
what if this what if it's literally just like I don't know how I identify sometimes I identify as a Christian mostly to honestly the most of the times when I say I'm a Christian it's to retort to some right-wing Christian BS like well (laughs) I'm a Christian and I think gay marriage is the best thing ever Mm -hmm. right but like what if we are saying we don't know what we believe but we're choosing to see things we're choosing to cultivate wonder we're choosing to believe there's something greater than what we perceive like Mm -hmm. I think that's okay (laughs) without saying you know something and but like how to communicate that to our kids I think that does it's there's like not a simple answer for that yeah becomes more of a practice and more questions than answers maybe I did recently come upon a place on the internet where someone was talking about our podcast stuff it was lovely feedback but one person said that they um, (laughs) accused us of secretly being a podcast meant to bring people back to the catholic church and that it was all a long con just makes me want to like twirl a mustache We're actually, <laughs> I'm on laps now, and so are you. <laughs> Just by listening to this. <laughs> to be clear, as you have pointed out, stuff we um we like barely have. We don't even have next episode planned, let alone a long term. <laughs> <laughs> no long cons here. Plan to bring people back into the Catholic Church. I can say with pretty much complete certainty, I will not land up back in the Catholic Church, given what is my current situation with my family. I also didn't marry someone Catholic, so that made it extra easy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't think I'll go back to being like a practicing Catholic. And we were, oh, where were, well, I was, we were at a funeral. I was at a funeral and I came back and I was like, I didn't take the Eucharist. And my husband was like, why not? And I was like, because the priest said something about like, if you're prepared, you may come up. And I, we'd just been talking about something and it was like, Oh, I haven't gone to confession in decades. (laughs) I'm not prepared. And I was like, he was being too stodgy about it. I was like, I don't want Eucharist from this guy. You can keep your Eucharist. But before I would have just gone up because like, what do I don't care about those rules. Right. I like participating in the rituals whenever I can participate in the rituals. But I was like, uh, I don't know. I I doubt I'll, I'll be doing all the things again. But I don't feel, I think especially from where I live and so much family around me, like Mm -hmm. there will be things like the Catholic church fish fries during Lent. Like I can't escape like all Catholic church in my life. And it is a cultural thing, right? And I think depending on where we are geographically located, depending on our family situations, when you do want extended family, a part of your life, a part of your kid's life. And I mean, the reality is like, you're going to, you're going to end up going to baptisms and communions, right. And considering whether to go to like church on Christmas with the family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about in the West kind of a lack of coming of age type of things or ritual or you know outside of religion really Mm -hmm. side of christianity for those of us who are raised catholic or christian other types of christian so i don't know it's like it's it's the tools we were given (laughs) and then when you're if you're thinking of creating your own tools or your own rituals there's a lot I don't know. And you're like, well, that that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. You're like, just want a thing that's already made for me. I don't want to mm-hmm. have to like and pick and choose which parts I want. I don't like I think, you know, I'm, I'm not raising my kids Catholic, but I think for some of my friends who are or are, who are sort of partially Catholic or who hold a lot of the same values I do and are 
having their kids go through CCD or at mm-hmm. Catholic school. Like this is the thinking that I hear that I don't that I don't necessarily disagree with. That like I I be- like that choice for some people. That what's well, funny because. We are not going to probably, I can't imagine it, but I won't say definitively yet, but I can't imagine we are going to have this child baptized. Yeah. We don't belong to a church. Like that would be a big first step in. But I'm like, as much as I talk about, we talk about names for Uh our child, I talk about who this child's godparents are going to be. Yes. Because in my family, godparents are like your special people. Yeah, same. And listen, I had my kid baptized in the Catholic church, my older one. With zero plan to raise him in the Catholic Church. I did it. The priest like, knew. Like, I just supposed to do it. The priest who baptized him knew that. was. I mean, he knows. And I had my atheist brother as the godfather. But now that child's on the register. I know. Well, and I made a joke <laughs> right after he was baptized. I made a joke like, well, Mac and I are Catholic. And I, yeah. <laughs> I think even my, someone was like, I mean, not really. And I was like, but could. Yeah. According to the Vatican. <laughs> According to the Vatican, they claim two of us in this household. <laughs> so I'm like, we have to have godparents. And I, I, and so far, I've gotten no pushback from my husband, thankfully, because he will not win that battle. But um, it's like, we have to choose who their special people are. Yeah. So it's like, that, it's, I don't think, like, yeah, it's never going to be completely erased from my, I guess, my language, my mm-hmm. touchstones. Like, that's just going to be part of it. I don't know. But I do wonder about not being raised it because I, there are parts of it that I am so grateful for mm-hmm. the cultural, I don't know, richness of it that I yeah. remember from being a kid. But I'm like, oh, that's going to be hard to find a replacement for. Yeah. I think it was recognizing that some of that stuff was actually useful to me in my childhood and provided mm-hmm. some kind of anchor that I did think, oh, I want to raise my kid in some kind of faith. I also feel like personally, I love the people and the vibe of the church community that we are members at and it's small and you get to know people which is kind of cool and was it just feels different than the catholic churches that i grew up in that are a little bigger Mm -hmm. you know people but it's not it's a little different but i'm not convinced that will be like my my spiritual home forever i could decide like maybe i will i could totally join the unitarian church our local unitarian church is the frank lloyd wright unity temple so i could go to wow historic beautiful piece of architecture every Sunday. That'd be pretty cool. That wouldn't be too shabby. Yeah. Or honestly, I could see practicing Buddhism at some point in my future. I'd still Mm -hmm. have read a lot and love a lot of things about uh, that way of seeing things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing too, is I remind myself, like, it's not like your forever choice. You can, it's a constant, you can change things. But yeah, I think that I wanted I just talked in a circle, but uh, I think I wanted some semblance of that. And I think that is why I was like, well, having some kind of church with more progressive values will give my kid that level. Mm-hmm. Of, even though even though he was like two when he had his first communion because he just came up with me and they gave him a piece of bread. And I was like, that was so anticlimactic. That was it. Yeah. You don't get any. You don't get a special suit. You don't get pictures. It's just, it's just casual. As soon as you're old enough to eat. You get to do it, which is kind of cool. And also you lose some of the excitement of it, I think. Right. The the rite of passageness of it. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was looking at why people leave the church and why people come back. And there's so there's some interesting stuff out there, but it's funny how much we've like kind of touched on already. But one of the things was immigrants who came 
here mm-hmm. who were Catholic, sort of stuck with their Catholic faith because it was also like a sign of their otherness. Like they're mm-hmm. like, I this is tying me back to my homeland or whatever. Sure. But it's like mostly Euro immigrants. Well, also a lot of, I think, a lot of immigrants from Mexico as well. Yes. But th- this research was talking about how as Catholics – they became like less Polish through marriage over the mm. years or Slovak, that kind of thing, and were assimilated into generic white culture. Right. They became less identifying with Catholicism because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be other anymore. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting part of it. Too. Right. And we get back to this thing of if you were once part of a group that was uh, discriminated against, you're totally going to stand up for other people discriminated against now, right? Right? You wish. You wish. Uh, but I was surprised at just how many people who are raised Catholic continue to be Catholic or come back. Or mm-hmm. I, I thought the numbers were going to be much higher than they were. It was kind of interesting because I feel like there's so much reporting from the right side of the aisle about how like we're in a godless country or um no one's practicing religion anymore which is like just really not true the majority of americans believe in god the majority of americans go to church no Mm -hmm. matter which side of the aisle they're on but like i thought there were going to be a lot more people who left the church because they were like pissed about uh, women's rights or the teachings on homosexuality or stuff but like almost 70% just sort of drifted away once they like left their home area. Mm -hmm. It's like once you left your home church, you stopped going to church. That makes sense. And it would be interesting too to look at, I think there is something interesting about people who stay where they grew up versus people who leave, even if they end up kind of coming back. If people who remain in the place they grew up end up staying at in church if they are raised christian or catholic if they stay longer i bet so they said like a lot of people around their late teenage years question it and maybe drift away when they go to college but most come back often when they're having uh kids mm-hmm. but what makes it hard is interfaith marriages mm-hmm. to keep a religion going for your children that's one of the big obstacles people cited and there was like, I kept, I looked and looked and looked. I was like days of interneting. And I was like, what is like the reporting on people returning to church once they become parents? Like, what are like the articles about this? What's going on about this? And the majority of the articles I found were all about Catholic leaders writing about how to bring your child back to the church was all I could find. Oh, yeah. And like, really, there was just like a generic little bit about Basically, people return to church because it's what they were familiar with and they don't know any other – like, it's the best way they can think of to teach their children morality. Mm -hmm. And so that was – like, that's the the groundbreaking news. (laughs) But it did say children who are raised with religion – so this was – okay, this was interesting. So this is an article by Forbes – and I kept, like, ar- arguing with this article out loud. <laughs> That's best. Mm-hmm. Because it said, okay, the study shows that raising kids with religion equips them to have better mental health and they're less likely to abuse substances, which I find to be, in my experience, the completely not a true thing. Same, same. Catholicism is what started my mental health crisis. Uh-huh. Like, and continued it. Same. 
Yeah, I f- totally agree. I I feel that too. The Catholicism's contributed to a lot of we've talked about guilt and all those things. And we're two straight white ladies. Like, also imagine if you were a queer kid growing up in the church. If you're a trans kid growing up in the church, like yeah. I mean, I I was thinking the other day, like it's very heartening to see for LGBTQ kids. Just even looking at high schools, like how kids are out now as being queer. How kids yeah. are transitioning um and being out as transgender you know and then i think oh all those the catholic high schools that is zero percent an option especially being trans i do know people who went to my all girls catholic high school who have come out as trans and turns out do not identify as female and just there is no room for that conversation at all or for a or for a trans girl to go to a girl's high school. I mean, it's not. No, I mean, their example they set by firing teachers is a ter. I mean, it's a terrible way of communicating a sense of openness. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the other day about, you know, on the one hand, I think like you, like you just said, as someone who grew up in the church, it's exciting when you see it going in the right way. You sort of are rooting for the church. Like, yes, please, yeah. please, Francis, say something good. Say something affirming. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm like, so religion, literally the point of religion is supposed to be like guiding our moral choices, right? If the mm-hmm. thing that is supposed to be guiding our moral choices is the thing that is always falling short, can't even get it right that it's like gay marriage is okay or that women should be allowed to be leaders in the church it's the opposite of what you want yeah i want my moral compass thing to be better than me (laughs) i want it to be pushing me to be a better person pushing me to be more inclusive and i you know the church i attend i'm not this is not a commercial for my church i promise but (laughs) the thing when we were looking for houses in our community, we drove past this church. They have a giant banner on the side of the church that says Jesus was radically inclusive. Yes. And I thought, like, this is a neighborhood I want to live in. But I was also like, I went to how many years of Catholic school? I don't think anyone ever said that to me. No. They said, you're not supposed to be gay. Yeah. I want my religion to be pushing me to be a more inclusive person, not a less inclusive person. Or or for me to couldn't... for me to be more inclusive than my this thing that's supposed to be better than me right yeah to be as as open and giving as you could possibly be and like I just I don't think ever I've seen that at the Catholic I don't know just like it's very frustrating but okay so back to this Forbes article real quick as I read I was angry and I'm reading and I'm yelling at it I'm like (laughs) I was like, um, I'm sorry, Catholic Church is like synonymous with substance abuse, but okay, keep going. Yes. But then it goes on finally by the end of it to say it's not going to church that does okay. these things. It's people who are raised with an active practice of praying or meditating that contributes to oh, that. Well, and I was like, a Forbes, whole other thing. Forbes, we got to talk about what you are talking about when you talk about religion. <laughs> buried the lead a little bit there Forbes because I was like well that's just like mindfulness right and that's good for everybody and we know that (laughs) like this isn't religion I mean yes prayer and meditating are practices found in religion but it is not uh, it's not the act of going to a church and it's not an institution and it's not like it's a practice that you develop by mostly by yourself Yes. That creates these things. So And Catholicism can include that, right? It can include Yeah. I mean, I think there are people who go to church just to chill out and zone out 
for an hour. Exactly. Because you say the same thing, so you don't have to think too hard. You just sort yeah. of – it's a form of meditating. Right. Or people – rosary, right? Same yes. thing. Or there's – I mean, there is meditate. There's, like, people who go and pray in front of the blessed sacrament, as they call it, the communion wafer and the fancy monstrance. You're meditating. And I almost wish that was actually part of what I was taught, more mm-hmm. so in Catholic school. Like, how do I go about making a personal practice of praying or communing, I guess, maybe with God? But it was mostly just learn this prayer, repeat it back to me, and also, if you're gay, you're going to hell. Like, that's what I remember. <laughs> like, Very affirming. So I was like, there's just so many more useful things that could have been happening in CCD class, I find. So I think that you know, there's still like these giant questions and I'm sure like that's part of why we're doing this podcast is <laughs> like, wow, as we scratch the surface of all of this, there's like, I'm like, these things are still very present in me. And so it's, it's fun to talk it out with you, but sometimes. <laughs> but what's the answer? I get it. I'm a little emotional and get a little heated. Well, you're pregnant. So you know, get so ready for more of that. <laughs> more of those feelings. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Listen, Steph, I would I would posit that if you are approaching these questions of spirituality and religion with more questions than answers, then that's actually like the best thing you can do for a kid, right? Yeah. Is to like lead them in in thinking through th- and ask them questions and and you know, we've talked about this before, but like sort of engage in these questions together because mm-hmm. I think the part of Catholicism that we have talked about not being helpful as kids was just being told what to think and what to believe mm-hmm. and almost like an like an OCD kind of way of approaching prayer and stuff it's like you have to say this this many times and you have to write it's sort of like mm-hmm. it's ritual that can become a little bit destructive rather than something comforting and expansive so if you're if you're approaching it with questions rather than answers I think you're on the right track I'll take it (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) thank you Anne you're comforting I try I also kind of want to I don't know put this back to our listeners and be like I think we may have asked this before but maybe I want to ask it again because we if we did we asked it on the first episode but like when did you know you were lapsed if you lapsed? And did you return ever? Like, I'm curious about that. I imagine our listenership. Yeah, I don't know. Because we started this as a cat and we're still going, right? It's a it's a podcast about growing up Catholic. But right. But the title has so- certainly skewed it. Real lapsed. <laughs> yeah. But I would love to hear from our listeners on that, too. So yeah. please engage. Let us know. Yes. When did, when did you know? When did you know you were lapsed? have you considered unlapsing do you need to unlapse all the way is there such a thing as partially unlapsing i don't these are all questions i don't know the these answer these are to. great questions yeah. monica might have the answers she might <laughs> read her book it's a great book read her book okay all right well who are we passing the the collection plate around to yeah so our virtual uh collection plate this week is fairfight.com this is stacy abrams organization uh they promote fair elections around the country encourage voter participation in elections and educate voters about elections and their voting rights i was also kind of thinking of this one as a little bit in relation to mlk day which is coming up so yes felt like do your a, day of service do do some kind of service or donate some money or however that looks for you mm-hmm but also stay safe and 
please. COVID is crazy, crazy out, out there. there. So, <laughs> you know, do what you need to. Also, if you live where I live, uh, don't slip on the ice. Though they're double, it is doubly scary to walk out your house stay right now. Stay inside. Oh my Just goodness. stay inside and donate some money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Steph, thanks. Thank you. And also with you. Also with you, Anne. 